The primary purpose of the matter over mind experience is to educate. It doesn't constitute advice or services. Before making any changes, please consult a medical or dietary professional. Nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So, take a seat and enjoy the ride. Welcome to another episode of the Matt Overmind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. I have Joel Bhakti on the show today. He's the CEO and founder of QuantGene. I love their mission. See, so their mission is to extend lifespan by a decade within a decade. Isn't that just a, just a brain twister within itself? I'm letting him explain all that to you, right? But you know what we're going to talk about today. Living longer, longevity, yeah, of course. We're going to talk about preventative medicine, um, genomic medicine, which I, this is completely new to me, and so much more. And of course, I have a hack of the episode for you, right? Yes, it's going to be, what's the next step for genomic medicine? So yes, we're going to talk about longevity. So hang on to your seats and get ready for this. And with that being said, Joe, welcome to the show. Zico, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, man. For that, tell my audience about yourself. So I uh, founded Quantine in 2015 uh, in, at UC Berkeley with the mission that you just mentioned, to extend the healthy human lifespan by 10 years within 10 years. And, you know, I grew up in a very medical family with uh, surrounded by basically medical researchers, my mom, my dad, my brother. And I myself, you know, I was super interested in this topic. Uh, for a very long time. I'm an economist by trade. So I'm the black sheep of the family. I said, like, this is all great medicine. And, you know, I love all the new technology and genomics and precision medicine, but who pays for it? Someone has to pay for all that stuff. So that's why I was interested in economics. Um, You know, how do systems work and how do we bring health to everyone uh, effectively? How do we finance the innovation? So we started the company back then, 2015, And the thesis is very simple. Every year, 1 million Americans die of preventable causes. That's a third of all deaths. And when you look at the age group 35 to 65, which is a little bit our focus, right? So kind of young, middle-aged, right? Um, It's even higher, right? The percentage of people who die preventable deaths is over 50% in that age group. And what does it mean? Cancer? means cardiovascular disease, stroke and heart disease. Uh, it means uh, diabetes, kidney and liver diseases. And so it's all about what, what is prevention and how do we stop that from happening? Like, uh, that's just very bad. And I always give this example because numbers, numbers are kind of my thing. So I try to make them interesting. When you say like, you know, that's the cause of death. In that time span from 35 to 65, your risk of death is 13%. So 
13% of all people die in that age group, in that span. And that's not trivial. Like to give you an example, that's like you have a plane and you want to travel in that plane. And someone tells you, if you go into that plane, every eighth time that plane crashes, like, would you go into that plane? I don't know. Like, I, I would maybe not go into that plane. That's too many every eighth. And that's literally your life and my life, our, our lives from 35 to 65. Your chance of dying is like one in eight and over the span. And so it's all about how do we stop this and how do we bring that number down, right? So you can go into that plane and say only every 20th or 30th plane crash is still a little irritating, but better than every eighth. And it comes down to these two big pillars. One that you are very focused on that's super important, nutrition, exercise, keeping your body healthy, getting in shape, not just to look good, but to feel good and be healthy. But then there's a second piece to the equation. And that second piece is precision prevention, which means even if you're in perfect shape, you can still get cancer. Like we know that you, you, it's impossible to just prevent cancer, right? You might get it. Same with stroke and heart disease. You can reduce the risk. You might still get it. And what most people don't know is like, if you detect that early, that is your best shot. If you detect cancer at stage one, you still, in most cases, have 90 to 99% chance of survival. And at late stage, it's very bad. So when you say preventative um, measures or preventative diseases or causes, right? What, what, what are you trying to, what are you really hinting at there? Are you saying that these, it's because of lifestyle choices that could, uh, that could have prevented these or early detection or what, what are you thinking about there? So it's basically these two measures you can do. And we focus on the second. You focus on the first. The first one is eat healthy, sleep well, get in shape. So you minimize the probability you're getting these diseases. We focus on the second piece. If you get them, because you're still at very high risk of getting something, how do you detect it early? How can you provide a system of new medicine around people that systematically screens and detects diseases continuously over these, you know, 30 years from 35 to 65. So then let's, because a lot of people like, I grew up in Jamaica, right? And uh, men in Jamaica don't go to the doctor, right? So there's a lot of reasons why, you know, we die off early is because we don't find out that we have something until it's too late. So how do you address that issue in your practice? Exactly. And you nailed it, not just in Jamaica, also in America, right? So like to give you another statistic, you can tell I like numbers. 8% of Americans get the preventative screenings they're supposed to get. So 92% of everyone, it's not even poor, rich, whatever, educate. No, 90% of everyone is missing standard of care guideline recommended screenings because it's so confusing. No one even knows. The primary care docs don't know. They overlook stuff. They don't ask the right questions. It's too much. And so what we invented with this system, Serenity, we call it Serenity at GetSerenity.life, is a system on the higher end where we make sure you subscribe, right? Become an annual member and you get your care buddy, like you basically get a dedicated person and an intelligence system that watches over you and sees everything, right? So it's on Zico, 
we are missing data points, right? You didn't answer a few questions. We don't know about your family history. Did someone have cancer in your family? Did someone have a stroke? Did someone have neurodegenerative, like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's? All these questions get taken in once and then once a year in case something changes. So it's baseline. So we understand, well, Zico is this specific risk profile. Maybe you're very good in cancer, right? Risk, but maybe you have a problem with cholesterol, something. So, okay, if that's the case, you need different screenings. You need to have more frequent screenings for heart, for cardiovascular, for example, or for whatever it is. And then on top of that, so we make sure nothing gets overlooked and you have someone who actually understands this stuff and solely focuses on keeping you healthy. It's not a conventional doctor. It's someone who's like, no, we want you to be healthy. And then we do a lot of things to keep you healthy. Whereas a normal doctor says, well, what do you want, Zico? You're healthy, go home. Like Come back when you're sick. But that's... <laughs> That's a bad idea. You want doctors who say, no, come to me when you're healthy. I keep you there. And then on top of that, we also apply very advanced precision medicine, like full body MRI, but most importantly, new genomics for multi-cancer detection in the blood. So we can make sure we detect all these diseases at the earliest possible stage through an annual checkup. So the because you keep saying light, not a normal doctor. So in my head, I'm thinking like traditional Western medicine doctor versus let's say an Eastern or a um, what's the word I'm thinking? Um, naturopathic doc doctor. Those are two things that come to my head. So the the healthcare professionals that work with you are they do they fall within any one of those scopes? I always describe them as a third type. So we have Eastern, Western, whatever you're going to want to call it, like people who went to med school and stick to the med school plan, right? And then we have holistic doctors. But there's a third type of doctor that normally also goes through med school, but understands, okay, there's an issue here. And then turns into a precision medicine doctor. So these are doctors who are focused solely or mostly on prevention, using the most advanced technologies to be basically big data people. So we kind of invented that. I mean, these are normally MDs, who say, well, I don't want to wait until everyone is sick and then do stuff that might not help. How do I apply technology to see everything much earlier? And so these are our doctors. They have you know, primary care. Uh, they come out of Kaiser Permanente or One Medical and places like that, but say, you know what? I'm like, I want to do something better. What can I do? And we are open to both sides. We respect, of course, conventional medicine. This is very important in many areas, but we deeply respect functional medicine and naturopathic medicine that all plays long, but it's more like a focus. What are we focused on? We, we use maximum amounts of data to detect stuff that's in your body when no one can see it. So we can detect diseases much earlier. I have a lot of um, friends and colleagues who are um, naturopathic um, doctors, some Western medicine doctors, because I don't, uh, contrary to popular belief, I don't hate them. Right. But <laughs> You know, I do believe that, you know, we need we need both. I definitely do believe we need both. I think for daily maintenance, we need to be a, a more naturopathic or like you were saying, more for precision type of doctor, which is the third type, which that term is also new to me. So um, verse, but let's say if I'm in an emergency, you may need a more conventional Western medicine style doctor. So I do believe that there is space for both. Right. But yes. the problem what I come across living in the U.S. or just say in the Western side of the world, because I don't want to beat up on America all the time, is that. Is that, you know, even with naturopathic doctor, and my friends tell me this, people still kind of use them as traditional doctors. 
meaning that they don't come to them for prevention. They come to them once they've tried everything else and they're like, okay, now let me try a naturopathic doctor. But by the time you get to that, but that's not really what naturopathic medicine is really designed for or the naturopathic approach, right? Is this? It sounds to me, and tell me if I'm wrong, Joe, but it sounds to me it's closer to a precision doctor where it should be prevention. You look at what your risks are, what are the steps we can take to get somewhere? And if something tends to happen or you get something in that in that in that process that we can detect it early and we can work on it. And there are different ways because I'm assuming and clear again, correct me if I'm wrong, you may at time use maybe uh, conventional medicine, but there may be times you use uh, lifestyle changes, fasting, you know, epigenetics is what we call it. Does that sound anywhere in the ballpark? Yes. And I, I think. Let me put it like this. We are fully for both doctor types you mentioned, but what is a precision medicine doctor? So what is the problem with conventional medicine? What, we, what do we see as a problem? We see as a problem that conventional medicine is simply way, way, way too late and way, way, way too low resolution, right? If they detect cancer, it's because, oh, you have yellow eyes. Your pancreas might be messed up. It's like, well, yeah, but if that's cancer that's a late stage pancreatic cancer. You can't, I mean, you're, 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 you have a big problem. The naturopathic doctors, they do a lot of things right. Um, but their problem is similar to that. Like, where is the precision, right? Can they detect the cancer early stage? No, like very difficult. So what is missing here is taking advanced genomics and imaging and other technology and data technologies to the next level and say, can we increase on a very straightforward scientific level can we increase the amount of data by a million times or billion times because we live in 2023 why would we use tests that were invented in 1928 like okay something happened in between so and that's literally what it is if we you know look at prostate cancer psa test at standard of care you use a psa test there's one marker in there prostate specific antigen it measures like something that sometimes is elevated with prostate cancer one protein, one number. You get literally one number out of the machine, which is like a fluorescent intensity. When we do a blood sample on you, we literally count individual DNA molecules, fragments. We get 10 billion individual reads out of a blood sample. So when I say billions of times, I'm not kidding. It's not a metaphor. We literally mathematically get a billion, 10 billion times more data out of one blood sample. It's like I'm hearing this when economics meets uh, meets the, um, I guess you say the healthcare field. I want to say the medical field. I want to say the healthcare field. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. By the way, Joe, to let you know, I also um, majored in economics at the University of Central Florida before I got into the health field. Oh, so, nice. He's you know, another economist. I, I know. I didn't, I didn't know that about you. That's pretty interesting. Um, but, so then let's, let's talk about economics then, right? Because we know that there's a lot of stuff that we need to fix in today's. I mean, we are just, you just basically just talked about it anyway. Yeah. But a lot of times we say that companies don't want to um, detect or detect you early, or sometimes people will go as far as say, keep you alive because it's more expensive. Right. So why do you think though, that preventative or precision medicine is the economic shift that we actually need? So economics, once you get it, uh, it's kind of very straightforward, right? The free market system or even political systems. The big problem, in my opinion, in medicine is that 
we are all kind of immature. We have this built-in immaturity in us where we want someone to take care of us. That's a big instinct in medicine. You say like, you know what? I don't want to pay for my own stuff because it scares me. What if I get really sick? I want the government or an insurance to pay for everything because it makes me feel good. And the problem is that sounds great, but we need to understand how humans and human organizations work. Um, if you, the only person who truly cares about you, besides your mom, maybe your dad is yourself. And you are the best steward of your health and you're the best steward of your money. Now, because we all have this tendency to want to outsource this because we have this baby instinct, like, oh God, but if I'm sick, I wish someone else would take care of me. Well, great, congratulations. But if that someone else is a faceless like government agency or like, I wouldn't even say worse, but equally bad, like a corporation that sits there with a CEO who says, you know, my job is to get a bonus next quarter, not to save your life. So I neither the government bureaucrat nor the CEO or chief revenue officer of United Healthcare like truly cares too much about your life. And everyone knows that, right? They have other problems. If you're in the Biden administration, oh, what if Trump gets president? How do I make sure I'm saving my butt, right? That's going on in the head in Medicare. It's not that someone sits there, oh, I wish I could figure out how to save Zico. It's like, that's not their problem. And But these people then decide what you get. And when they look at preventative care expenses, for example, what we bring together here at Serenity to keep people really safe, and then cost, let's say, 3000 bucks or something a year, what we recommend, right? They say, you're nuts. We're not going to pay this for all Americans. We can't. We don't want to. We don't see the benefit. And if we tell them, well, the benefit is they live longer, you know, that doesn't even really register on the motivation matrix. It's not like a topic. Right. Oh, so, and, you know, so then you're, you're right, though. I get you there. And, you know, honestly, um, I should say the fact that we say the, the, the goal is to live longer and it doesn't really register. That's really a big issue. It is right? a big issue. Yeah. So that's a big issue. So then my follow up question to that would be what then should, why then should we say, okay, people should live longer and that should benefit us econ on economically? Why do you think so? Well, there are always two ways of looking at problems like that. One is like systemically, like why would the system care? Why is it good for all of us? And I can go on and on why this is good for us, right? You, you don't want to lose your best people or any people. It's like we have to protect human life and we are building up the knowledge. For example, you have a great business and knowledge about what you're doing. If you die, well, it's gone Then there's a problem. What about all your listeners, all your customers, your clients? Like dying is just a bad thing in general. But guess what? What I learned the hard way is you need to try to find people who truly care. And I tell you one thing, no one truly cares about all of us. Because why? We have other problems. What we care about is us, right? When I have a discussion with Zico, and it's like, Zico, listen, here's why it's so important, why humanity should extend the lifespan by 10 years. You're interested in this. Like, yeah, okay, let's discuss. But if I say, Zico, let's, why don't we just make sure you're not going to die next week? I tell you, you will pay way more attention. Because it's like, well, I don't want to die. Like, that's actually very top of mind. 
we have a discussion, who is it better to extend for all humans 10 years or 11 years? You're saying like, well, maybe, maybe I can discuss this on Sunday. It's not the top priority for me. So that's why I try to look at systems that way and say, we need to go to the people who truly care. And I tell you who truly cares about living longer, the people who live longer, which is our clients. It's like, do you want to protect your life? Then no one asks, oh, is that good or not? It's like, no, they say, I, I get it. I don't want to die. Yo, you know, I plan to live forever. Did everybody know? You know, that was, well, <laughs> I'm a little, I'm, I'm 40 years old, right? So I'm going from the, I know the Jay-Z version of the song, but it's like forever young. I know there's an original version out there, but I don't know who sings it. But it's a, like forever young. So that's me. I'm forever young. I'm going to live forever. And, you know, until God decides that, you know, it's time for me to go. But <laughs> so, you know, so if my clients don't worry, your boy will be around for you. Don't worry at all. I'll take care of you, your grandkids and your, and your great grandkids. Um, but yeah, but truly it really is. It's a, I think it is, the shift is finding people who actually care and part of my business. And of course, for sure it's part of your business. And you talk about the preventative piece is the connection with that person. Because when you work with someone for a long time, you develop a relationship with that person and yeah. that connection makes you care even more versus yes. how often do you really see your doctor? Right. And if you're seeing your doctor once a week, then you might have other issues. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, if it's a precision service like ours, prevention service, the whole point is we want to see you. We want to be in touch. So you get like basically a text messaging platform. You have your own doctors and care buddies, but it's very targeted towards, we don't want to endlessly have conversations if that's not necessary, but we make sure very precisely, right? In three months, we're going to reach out like Zico. It's three months. We need this one data point from you. Can you just answer one question? And we make sure on. that's intent. So we never lose track, right? So that's the key. So what I'm hearing is I need to subscribe to, I need to subscribe because I'm trying to live forever. So we, we got, we got, we got to get on this, man. Yeah, we got to get on this. We really, really do. And talking about that, I'm going to take a break in the podcast because I got to talk about one of my favorite companies. I got to talk about Heal. Well, the company is called the Amino Co, but I'm talking about Heal, which is one of my favorite products, right? Their products is 100% science-backed based on essential amino acid technology. You see, Heal is one of my favorites because it was designed to reduce recovery times and improve physical function by accelerating muscle repair while helping you to maintain a healthy inflammatory response. I always mess up at some point when I'm, when I'm doing this part, right? But yes, it's true because we talk about inflammation. We can't avoid inflammation. In fact, I train six days a week, sometimes seven because I'm crazy in the brain and I'm creating inflammation. So heal helps me to respond to that, right? Um, heal, it has a really good blend of essential aminos, but what makes it brilliant? A whey protein concentrate and creatine in that specific blend that gives you that. In fact, what I do is I use it as an intro workout, right? So like doing my workout, remember like 40, 45 minutes in, I drink heal with, of course, the blend that I mentioned, which helps me to bang through my workouts and respond better. I'm telling you, add that to your routine, your protocol, you're gonna feel a difference. I have friends who use it now who come to me and say, man, I don't know where this has been my entire life. Like now that I use it, I really feel a difference and recover better. One of my friends, and I'm not saying to do this for this reason, but I'm just going to mention it because she did tell this to me that she went on a trip and on the trip, you know, she was drinking a lot. And she said she brought her heel and her perform, by the way, which is also made from Minoko. And she told me 
And again, a caveat, not saying if you use it for this reason, but it's just a funny story. She told me that when she, she, she did not get a hangover on the entire trip because she was constantly drinking, heal and perform. Right. But your phenial body essential aminos, your phenial body creatine, which your body really needs to help you to respond to inflammation and heal better. That's really where the focus is supposed to be. Right. But anyway, I digress a little bit. So let me tell you about these clinical trials. Right. Because there's a trial where they tried one and two scoop of heal compared to high quality whey protein. And the net bounds um, between whole protein, whole protein synthesis were measured. And the, and the response to heal was found to be three times larger than whey protein on a gram-to-gram basis. Three times larger. I mean, that's huge, right? Think about expanding your, extending your, your lifespan by three times. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm on a mission to do that. So I guess I need to subscribe to Joe's uh, um, quant gene over here, right, to get me there. But anyway, anyway I'm just being the regular Zico that I am. So the website is aminoco.com slash Zico Health. Not only is it the product, product's fantastic, but it gives you 30% off all the amino-based products. And because, you know, I try to be a nice guy, I will make sure that the website is in the description of the episode. And with that being said, on to the next question, everybody. So we, I kind of know what the answer is going to be here, but I really want you to answer this question. Why should genomics be, this, should be standard here? Well, genomics is a very new field, right? Because seven or five years ago, what we do right now would have cost, you know, much more, 10 times more, $20,000, $30,000. So this is a massive progress and making it more affordable makes it more accessible. So the benefit of genomics is twofold because genomics does actually two different things. One is conventional genomics where we look at your existing genes and we understand what your risk profile is. Now, that's very, very important because if we run all your genes, for example, and identify variants, we have tremendous, like also millions of pages of scientific publications on genomics. We see, oh, Zico has variant A and variant B. And that puts Zico at elevated, at, let's say, 5x elevated lung cancer risk completely randomly, right? You didn't know that. That changes statistically, how often you need to get screened to minimize your risk of having late stage cancer. So normally you would never get screened because there is no screening for lung cancer for non-smokers, right? So it's like, well, you don't get screened. So if you ever get lung cancer, you will be detected at late stage very likely. But that's not good. That's, that brings down your chance of survival below 10%. If, if it's early stage, you're still above 70%. So it's a big difference. That actually extends your life by and by knowing your genes, we can say, okay, there are two disease, like Zico is super healthy, but he has two problems. Disease one, disease two, much higher risk. Everyone has some risk, right? Well, most people. Then we can target your prevention plans towards that. And the challenge here is most people are not that familiar or good with statistics. They just want to do I die or do I not die? It's like, well, unfortunately, it's statistics, but statistics add up over time. They become very reliable. And so we can adjust the entire strategy to that. And that's what Serenity does. Now, the second piece of genomics, which is very new, where Quanchin is one of the leaders in the field, it can also detect active cancers in the body by taking a look at the blood sample and identifying trace 
signals of cancer with single molecule precision. So we can basically find a single molecule piece fragment of a tumor cell. And that changes the game in cancer detection. So on top of your risk profile is also detecting actual cancer with an incredible accuracy. So what I really love from what I'm hearing, I mean, we're talking about early detection, but not just early detection, but we're first looking at the risk of what could happen, which can then lead to early detection. And the early detection, just statistically speaking, is going to increase your probability because you're right. If you have stage three cancer versus stage one cancer, I mean, that's completely two different ends of the spectrum, right? Which is where conventional medicine usually gets. Okay, but they get, it's like, it's like my gripe with diabetes, right? People who say, have come to me and said, you know, my doctor told me I have diabetes. They have me on insulin, blah, blah, blah. I said to him, you were not diabetic the day you walked into your doctor's office. You were insulin resistant or you had insulin resistance. It led into uh, pre-diabetes. Then it forwarded to type 2 diabetes. That takes a long time, people. You're 100% right, Zico. That's exactly what we also check, right? We check on all these things because that, like A1C testing. Did you ever test your blood sugar like three months average or not? Most people are like, no, my doctor said it's not necessary. Like, well, how do you know it's not necessary? It's like about early detection. Right. And you know what, what? And I'm speaking specifically about insulin resistance here because in my opinion, it's just one way. This is just one way. And I'm saying it's the only way. And don't take my word as Bible here. But most people who are overweight, if not everybody is, who's overweight, at least has insulin resistance just by understanding how the human body works because insulin is a storage hormone. So to store that excess glycogen and store that um, body fat, you have to use insulin to do that. So if you're 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight, you're more likely insulin resistant, which we are on your way to being pre-diabetic or having type two diabetes, right? So that's just one thing to just look at Instead, when you walk into the doctor's office and you're like, oh, now the doctors say um, I have type two diabetes and they put me on this whatever insulin or whatever it is, long lasting or whatever the case may be. But again, you didn't walk into the office with type two diabetes. We probably walked in with it, but you had it prior, prior before then. And there are many things that built up to that point. So that's and just one of the totally, examples I wanted to get, uh, get at And there. you're totally right about this. Like it goes across all chronic disease categories, all the stuff that actually kills you, diabetes, right? Cardiovascular, liver and kidney disease, and of course, cancer. For all of them, the same thing is true. Early detection saves your life. And for diabetes, what does early detection mean? You need to know that you're pre-diabetic and you're right. Like, okay, if you're obese or even significantly overweight, you're on track of getting something bad. So don't do it. But on top of it, you can do diagnostics and just do the test. That's a $27 test. Like what's even the problem? And there is no big downside in false positives on an A1C test, right? So we recommend do this stuff annually, uh, and, and then you know more. Joe, I've worn, and I didn't, I've worn a, um, uh, what's it, what's, I, what, my brain's drawing a blank right now. What's it to test that diabetes, uh, glucose monitor, continuous glucose monitor? I've worn one myself because I wanted to understand what my body does on a daily basis when I'm fasting, when I'm eating, how my body responds to food, so on and so forth. NutriSense is my favorite brand. I absolutely love them. Right. So shout out to NutriSense. You just got a free ad from your boy Zeke over here. Right. Um, and I remember when I first said to someone um, that I was going to wear, I was going to wear it. And he's like, do you have diabetes? I said, no. He said, why are you wasting your time? I said, see, that's the problem. 
you want to wait until something happens, right? Instead of trying to figure out, instead of trying to see what, how you could possibly prevent something from happening, right? Because I believe that especially people who are, who um, have insulin resistance, if they were to wear a CGM, they can really, but they will start to understand how their body responds to food, which can also help with reversing that issue. So they don't become pre-diabetic or diabetes. Now I know I'm hounding down a lot on diabetes because that's where a lot of my focus is because it's weight management. But like you said, when, when it comes to thyroid issues, right? Now, hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism, we also got to consider those. There are a lot of that a lot of ways that early detection can help cardiovascular diseases, early detection can help with all those as well. And then what I like about what you're saying with the precision medicine, is because you kind of combine both along with early detection. So then it's not just about, you know, trying to detect something, but there may be some epigenetic factors like lifestyle changes involved, which leads me to my next question, actually, Joe. Cause when we talk about epigenetics, I'm sure you know what it is. My audience knows what it is. It's lifestyle changes. How much of that is in, is involved in your practice? So, of course, in genomics, epigenetics and epigenomics is very important. So, technically, what we are talking about are kind of methylation islands on the DNA, right? Where the C's on the DNA are methylated. And what that does is it can switch genes on and off, to put it like simple. And uh, that is for cell differentiation. So, different, you know, body, like tissue organ types have basically different profiles, but also not just lifestyle changes, but generally changes to your to your metabolism and when you work out and all of these things. Basically, your, your cells need to start behaving differently, right? Produce more insulin, produce less insulin for the pancreas, for beta cells and stuff like that. So all that happens some through a mechanism and often in these mechanisms, the epigenetics play an important role. And then there are all these more complex effects, right? That you can have a certain epigenetic profile that just says, oh, Zico in general is more switched on with this and that. And, you know, and so in our practice or in our service and serenity solution, um, it's more like an indirect thing. So we can measure some of these things, but they're still like clinical issues, right? And really tying it back to some medical implications. Um, we will add it in a very significant way next year in the cancer detection field. So mm. methylation is also a piece of cancer detection. But in general, it comes down to lifestyle changes, right? So what what does a preventative care plan? 